started with you tell us a little bit about yourself your family and where you reside okay so thank you for having me so my name is Joanna Daniel. I live in Wales in the UK in a tiny village near the sea and the hills. So we, I feel like we have the best of both worlds. And um, I'm a trauma-informed counsellor and as well as private practice, I do retreats and conferences that provide a safe place for people to heal. So mom of three and I homeschool. I've always homeschooled my children. So the twins that are 14 and our baby that's 11. Okay, that's amazing. So I don't want to get too off topic, but can you tell us a little bit what's homeschooling like? Homeschooling is fun. It's exhausting. It's It has ups and down days, you know, uh, good days and not so good days. But we chose to do that for many different reasons. And there's certainly for me more fun days than other, than not. When I see my children achieving and when I see them developing and growing, and I knew that I played such a massive role in the character, the personality, the interest that they have, and is able to direct them to use their gifts and talents to the best of their abilities. So um, homeschooling is certainly very rewarding for me. That's awesome. I asked because I want to... When I start having babies, I want to homeschool them. So I'm super excited. We'll have to talk about that um, offline. Um, uh. So what? how did you um, make your way into being a trauma counselor? What um, your interest, what personal experiences you have, you know, made you feel like this is what I want to do for the rest of my life? So when I, when I trained... For, to be a counselor, I made a decision that I wasn't going to work with abuse. <laughs> and, I, and I think that was kind of just me running away from something I know that was, and I know this sounds so cliche, but my calling. And so I tried to avoid it as much as I could, but it, I, just, I just couldn't because that's the area where I've always been interested in working with uh, women, especially who experience domestic abuse. And after training, when I heard about the adverse childhood experience research, that study and just the impact on people's lives, I knew there was nothing else for me to do. I knew that this, this was it. This was it. So I focused all of my efforts over the last um, five years or so or more on developing as a, as a counselor that works with trauma. And no two days the same. It doesn't feel like work. It's exciting and fulfilling and all of those things. So that's kind of what, what got me there. And also, you know, sometimes you have to process your own stuff. So as training happened, I had to process my own, my own trauma. When, you know, Parker, when we, when we look, trauma is everywhere. It's all around us. Um, there's so many, so many different things that can be traumatic for people that we overlook. Because when I used to tell people that I work with trauma, they said, but I wasn't sexually abused. And I thought, well, that's not the only thing, you know. Yeah, There's so many other things that is trauma for, for people that they don't know. And it just leaves, it just, it's left unprocessed. Yes. Um, if you don't mind um, telling us, tell us, can you tell us about something that you've had to process and deal with as you go into learning about trauma and how to help other people? Sure. I mean, I, I, I had to process and I, I written my book about it. And so it's, you know, talk about it all the time. My own, um, I'm a survivor of childhood molestation. So 
had to process that before I started working. But still, it, it wasn't the thing that got me into working with trauma. I still said I wasn't going to do it. So, so that was my, my journey of, of, processing, of processing that. But also, I, though I live in the UK, I'm from Jamaica, and I see, I get to speak to a lot of migration is such a traumatic event for so many people. Uh, people moving from one place to the next and leaving children in the Caribbean and in, in parts of Africa and Europe and then sending for them after many years. And those attachment injuries that occur that takes years to heal and sometimes cause families to fragment and a generational pattern is set in motion just through that event, those events, you know, one person, one family member leaving, one parent leaving a child. So those are some of the, that's my, not my personal trauma, but having seen it around me as I was growing up and so have a better of an understanding of it because I saw my friends lived out this trauma and didn't know what it was because they had nice houses and cars and stuff, you know? Um, but now working with the people in their forties and fifties, processing that pain so yeah it's 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 kind of everywhere yeah and I actually never really thought about you know the trauma that goes into you know migrating from place to place and then um you know having to leave your kids behind you're right that's kind of putting that kind of set the whole generational mm-hmm. play so I think that's a great um a great point um, what, what would you say are your personal, uh, motivation? Like what's your personal motivation, whether that be professionally or just in your personal life? Hmm. What motivates me? There's so many things that motivates me. I, I have a heart for the brokenhearted. Just seeing, seeing someone come to me at the beginning you know, broken and bent figuratively because it's too heavy. They can't cope. And after a while, just to see this person can make eye contact, see them smile, see them be able to make decisions and just move through life. That, that is such a, that is a motivator for me. Hearing the stories of change, like one client texted me about eight, nine weeks after we started working and she says I want to want to live now mm-hmm. and that that was just that was like a year's worth of payment you know I want to want to live that's a big deal that yeah. she made that decision for herself having gone through um it on her journey you know in, in therapy so those things motivate me just the, just the possibility just the knowing that people can heal just the knowing that life can change and it doesn't have to be dark just the knowing that this woman don't have to live broken this family can mend just to know that 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 pain that has been so long that has caused lots of disruption can heal those things really keep me going yeah that's such a beautiful sentiment um what advice i'm going to ask you several different advices to give okay would you give someone um who is looking to start their healing process but kind of don't know where to start what suggestions would you give them Mm, that's so important there's so many there's so many factors to to consider with that and i just pitched an article for (laughs) that i'm hoping somebody will will accept because there's so many different facets to consider when you're starting out and 
what to do. I think it's a really good idea that you're thinking about it. I think that's amazing that you've come to that place. It's the first step in wanting change. So then there is, who will be able to understand my context? From By context, I mean where you're from, how you grow, your environment, those societal factors that um, have a... Have a a part to play in who you are, your, you know, your environment. Is there somebody that's going to be able to understand that? So that's really important. Um, are my values going to be honored? Like if you're a, a spiritual person, can this person relate to that? Can they understand it? Can they understand your particular pain? So like not everybody can work with trauma because not everybody's trained, not everybody um do focus on that but they might work better with say depression or uh self-harming or you know just anything else so you want to know those are questions to ask and when you're looking for someone when you're looking for a, a counselor or a therapist to work with those are things to consider uh so because then that will let you know that this person is a good fit for me or this person is not because so many people go to therapy and the person wasn't a good fit and they get frustrated they leave and they never return because they said it didn't work because you know and this is your space it's your time you can ask what you want and if it's not working you're well within your rights to find somebody that's more aligned with who you are because then it works beautifully when the relationship works it works beautifully so those are some of the advice i'll give to somebody just thinking about it great advice um yeah and i think it's so easy to be in a bad spot and to get discouraged when something we try something and doesn't work yes I, I really appreciate you saying you know just try another person try someone else try another counselor so i think that's a great um another advice um i have two more advice questions <laughs> one i would say um for someone who is dealing with or who has a um, the trauma of molestation. Um, what are some key things you would tell them to uh, remember to put in the forefront of their mind um, so that they can get to the point where they can process and heal that trauma? Um, so, sometimes when we've experienced it, you know, as children, the, the brain is amazing, our bodies are amazingly made. And so it works to protect us. So we forget, you know, and I would say as those things are starting to come to the forefront of your mind, don't ignore it. Don't, don't suppress it. Find a safe space to talk it through. And, and the safe space might be a friend initially or um, a family member initially, but as it's coming, don't be afraid of it. I always say memories, they come to teach us. They come to tell us something. And sometimes we, when we've had those experiences, memories are not welcome. We're afraid of them because they can be so overwhelming and they, they can be set, send us in such places of pain. But I also believe that they come to tell you something, come to teach you. So if you get help to learn how to listen to the memories and listen to what it says and get help for that thing. So one of the things I'd, I'd advise is learn how to listen to you, your, your body, what your heart is telling you, what the pain is telling you, and give yourself what you need, whatever that is. Whether it's a staying in bed day, whether it's, it's today I can just be on the couch and I'm going to be here, I'm going to watch Netflix or I'm going to journal, I'm going to listen to soothing music, 
I won't answer my phone. I will tell people I'm not available today. I'm just giving myself today what I need. Days like those happen, especially in those early days of making a decision to start processing or when you've started. So really important to do that. And another thing I'd say is have a good support system. You're going to need a good support system. And and by that, I don't mean five or 10 people. It can be one or two or three people, you know, but somebody else to walk with you. And they don't have to know what you're processing. But as long as this person is available for walks, going for a drink, having a laugh, eating chocolate cake, things that will help you to take your mind off and to connect with another individual who is safe is going to be really important. So there's so many but I, I think those two are really important, especially in the beginning phases. Thank you so much. I thought those are great as well, pieces of advice. Okay, this is my last advice question. <laughs> so what advice would you give someone who wants to go into counseling and they feel motivated or pulled or called um, to start working with persons with trauma? What advice would you give them? So somebody who wants to go into counseling, so they want to train as a counselor. Yes. Right. I think it's a very noble, rewarding, fulfilling profession, obviously. But no, I, I really do believe that. And if, you, if you're called to this, if you love people and you want to work with people in this way and you feel called to do it, I'd say do it because the rewards are every day. You know, the rewards are every day. So I'd say definitely step out and do it. And somebody says this to me, if you find something that you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And I can absolutely testify to that, that I can sit in my office, see clients and finish my day, go for a walk, do the children, do all sorts and don't feel like I've, I've worked because it's just such a, it just gives me such joy. It gives me life as, as, um, some people like to say so, so um, can you just tell us a little bit about your experience as a brown girl as in the UK hmm. my experience has been interesting I'll say but one reason I say that is because I wasn't born in the UK so I came to the UK when I was 25 so my formative years were in Jamaica and I think that's significant because it gave me a, a different type of foundation and beginning um, versus my friends who were born in and, and went to school and had different experiences to me in, in school. But saying that, coming to the UK, having to try to fit in and to integrate has been really challenging. It can be really challenging. I was talking to somebody about that today, a friend of mine who was born here, and we were kind of talking about the experiences. Having, uh, I live in a, in a village where they've never lived among black or brown people. So those experiences, really welcome in place, but they've never lived among us. So that been, has been a long integration process. Um, going to college where not many people are in your class. I remember the first time I went to the university lecture hall and look around and I was it was probably about three of us in a massive room that were black people also in a profession. In, in, in Counseling is seen as a white middle-class profession here. And so being in a profession where you are also in the minority, 
they have its challenges. And before I was a counselor, I worked in social work education. Um, and again, walking in a room where Joanna Daniel doesn't say, you know, black girl. So you walk in the room and you weren't who they expected and you see the, the, the temperature in the room change and you having to make yourself be heard in that room as a professional of equal standing and, 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 and value with your opinion matters just as much as anybody else's. Uh, can be, it was challenging, was challenging and it took work and it can be exhausting. Um, but yeah, so, so that's what I'd say about the, the experiences here. Very tricky, very subtle prejudices but you feel it anyway. Um, I work for myself and I work from home, so I don't have to go in the workplace anymore, but certainly experienced it at work where you get passed over for promotion, where you get passed over for, for anything because you are not considered for those roles, even though I had the qualification. There was once when they promoted my student. When I went to maternity leave and came back, my student was now my manager when I got back. <laughs> And he knew nothing, you know, and everybody who came after knew that they, they're like, why aren't you in this role, Joanna? You know, why is he in the role? So those were so, those are some of the things as a, as a brown girl you experience in the workplace and having to navigate your way through, which can be, be really challenging. Is that part of your inspiration to, you know, kind of go out on your own and start working? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was it was part of my and I'm training my children to be producers, you know, to, to have their own, to do their own thing. That was part of my experience, my wanting. And I when I left that workplace, I've never worked for anybody else. Yeah, I, I left there and went, went freelance as in social work education, training social workers. And then I went, then I trained as a counselor and they want they wanted me to come back. And I said, I'd absolutely I would rather do checkout at a supermarket than go back there. <laughs> that was just, that was how scarring that experience was. But yeah. yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to work for anybody else again. Yeah, I can imagine, especially if that's the atmosphere. So um, outside of that terrible work atmosphere, what is it like to live in the UK? Like the scenery, is it fun? I know you said you have like the best of both worlds because of your location. How mm. Mm -hmm. so it's a gorgeous country and the countryside is absolutely beautiful 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 uh countryside that the uk has um so we're we live in wales so that's so you have wales scotland england and northern ireland as a part of the united kingdom mm -hmm. and and we live in wales which is there's nowhere in wales that's not beautiful you know <laughs> so that's the that's the plus side nowhere in wales that's not beautiful it's all gorgeous whether it's near the sea or it's just the hills and then there are england is is a gorgeous country too and scotland is also beautiful so the countryside in the uk is absolutely amazing you have racism everywhere as you as you can imagine it's different it's subtler so they won't tell you to your face that's the difference they always say about the UK and the US. The US will tell you to your face, the UK won't, you know, uh, but you'll feel it anyway. Um, but but apart from where we, we live in Wales and I find the, the people very friendly, open, um, totally different, eye contact, smiles, a, a, a chat, just 
very, very different feel than when we lived in the city in England. Yeah. Well, I, I'm glad that you guys are somewhere where it's more, it can feel more like home. Mm. So I think that is, uh, you know, like um, just a better atmosphere. You know that I know that's very important. I'm sure it's super important being that you have those babies. So um, I think that is amazing, and I'm happy for you guys. Yeah. Um, like ask this question, a pop-up question, and it is, what is a word that begins with B, as in born, uh, that you feel describes you, and what does that word mean to you? Um, I'm going to say bold. Okay. Uh, bold and and I'm I'm an introvert, so more more quiet. But so people wouldn't wouldn't say that. But I'm saying bold because today I was doing some research among friends. Like I asked the question, what what uh, their experience of me as I prepare for a mastermind, and bold is the word that everybody said, and nobody was talking to each other. And I and I have to agree, although it took me a long time to be able to settle into that and accept that as part of me. Bold because. I am goal-oriented, I am a driven, goal-oriented, organized, go-after-your-dreams person. And it takes boldness and courage to be able to do that. And I, and I do that. So that's why I'll say bold. Okay. And I know that you mentioned that you have a mastermind coming up. Can you tell us about that and any other upcoming events you have going on? Sure. So the, the mastermind is for um, Christian women who are who are navigating life and career and or entrepreneurship, who are building ministries or business or entrepreneurship, because it can be challenging when you're trying to balance home, a marriage, um, family and building a business. Those decisions that you have to make that your husband don't understand that your partner don't understand, but you have to make them anyway, those financial decisions when you want to give them a say, but you can't really because they don't understand. And they might say, you can't do this mastermind, but you really need it in order to progress, or you can't do this course, but you really need it in order to progress. How do they navigate those conversations? And, and um, how do they deal with guilt when they feel like they're taking too much time away from the family or from other activities and spending too much time on a career or or um, growing a business, what's that like? So it's going to be that kind of powerful personal development space where we can come and we can talk um, and um, and grow and grow through those challenges. Those are challenges six years in that I've had to grow through, difficult conversations with myself, with my husband, with my children, manage guilt, homeschool three kids, get them to the place now where they're considering college and pursuing their own their own dreams and um, and using their own gifts and talents. So that's what the mastermind is about. Okay, that's beautiful. And if someone wanted to, you know, participate, can you give us your social media handle so they can reach out to you? Sure. So on Instagram, I am Joanna from Wounds to Scars. That's Joanna from Wounds to Scars. On Facebook, the page is Wounds to Scars, just Wounds to Scars on Facebook. And they can message me at any one of those places. All right. So at Joanna Wounds to Scars. Got it. Yeah. Um, wanted to thank you so much. I love all the advice. 
to cut kids, but you know, travel is something near and dear to me, and I'm so grateful mm. for the doing, and I think it is beautiful. And you gave us a great advice um, for start dealing with their own trauma to people who want to help other people deal with their trauma. So thank mm. you so much. Did you have anyone that you wanted to shout out for the episode? Oh, I, um, nobody comes to mind immediately but I just want to thank you for this opportunity and I absolutely love your page and your mission as well thank you um, I again absolutely love what you do and I know that we talked about collaboration raising our voices um, the mm-hmm. ladies so please be sure to keep in contact with us for um, you teaching um, a lesson mm-hmm. the collaborations that you can think of that we could uh, collaborate on um, we would be more oh. than willing oh thank you so much thank you Parker I'm looking forward to the workshop yes us too I'm very excited uh, well thank you I don't know it's getting late for you there so I just want to tell you to have a great night Thank you, you too.